0: Good morning, everybody. I am very excited this morning to have the privilege to introduce um, our special guest that is going to be speaking and singing for us um, this morning. Cat Holder is one of my dearest friends, and we've known each other for about fifteen years now, a little over that. And um, through the years, we've had incredible memories and opportunities. We were able to um, record some albums together. We Traveled across the nation in a big um, black people mover that constantly broke down and had no air conditioning. And um, in the middle of summer in South Texas with no air conditioning. Um, Just lots of great memories. Um, But the biggest thing that I love and I'm so excited um, for you guys to meet Kat this morning is because of her heart. She has such an incredible heart for worship and for encouraging. And so I know that this morning, um, not only will the Lord um, give you maybe some inspiration, but you are gonna be go away encouraged because she has an encouraging word for you. Also, um, she's a lot of fun and uh, she's got the best smile around and um, just such a passionate worshiper and an, a talented singer. And so this morning, I'm super excited to get to welcome one of my dear friends. So if you would help me welcome um, our special guest, Kat Holder.
1: Like Krista said, I have known them for quite a while. Um, we have some great memories, some great laughs, laughs, great times for sure. Pastor Mike, I'm, I heard that they call you the bulldog around here. Did you know your daughter's the bulldog as well? <laughs> Back in the day, we were called the bulldogs and you didn't mess with us, let me just tell you. <laughs> in case you're trying to figure out what nationality I am, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I'm half Puerto Rican, half Colombian, but I like to say I'm half Shakira, half J-Lo, and my hips don't lie. Okay. I do come from Alabama, I have no banjo on my knee So let me be the first to introduce I'm the first Hispanic with a southern accent that you will probably meet <laughs> um, I am married to my real life Superman We've been married for 14 years I know we have pictures um, We've been married for 14 years And you can keep those pictures going We have two boys The one on the left is Ezekiel The one on the right is Zachary We call them Zeke and Zach for short for short, and um, sometimes I get their names confused, and I call them Ezekiel and they both are like, Mom, what? I'm like, yes, I'm calling the both of you at the same time, so just come on. (laughs) So yes, that is my handsome man, my Robbie. He's actually from Odessa, Texas, so I'm married to Texan. I am a Longhorns fan, so for Hook'em Horns, for all the Longhorns fans out there. (laughs) I'm currently on staff at the Rock Family Worship Center in Huntsville, Alabama. My pastors are Pastor Rusty and Lisa Nelson. Does anybody remember that old song, Pure Heart, That's What I Long For? Yeah, Heart That Follows Heart. He's actually the one that wrote that song. So he wrote that back in the day when he um, was a traveling worship leader and evangelist. Um, so they, as well as my husband, have all given me the release to be here with you this morning. And again, it's truly an honor to be here with you today. And for all the ladies who were here yesterday, thank you. We had a great time. <laughs> It's so funny because at first I thought I was just coming to speak at the women's event, but uh, Krista sent me a text about a month ago and asked me if I would speak today, and literally I thought I was almost going to have a wreck that day. I was like, what? Pastor Mike wants me to speak for Sunday morning as well? Me? Me? But then God reminded me, Kat, I've done way too many things in your life for you not to share it and for you not to testify the things that I've done in your life. So I had to make the choice again do I let my fears and insecurities silence me and stop me or do I beat them? And so I decided again, I'm going to beat it. And I'm standing here today (laughs) and I'm so excited. So, Pastor Mike and Don, thank you. Thank you in church. You guys have incredible leaders and incredible pastors, and it's an honor to share this platform this morning. Is it all right that we pray before we get started? Come on. Father, we thank you that your presence is already here. God, we thank you, God, that your presence is here to change. Your presence is here to remind. Your presence is here to restore. Your presence is here to bring healing. Your presence is here to bring hope. God, your presence, God, is here, God, just to bring peace and life, God, because you are the life giver. And God, I thank you that over the next few moments, God, as I share, Father, it's not what, it's not of me, God, but it's you. And Lord, I just pray that you would come and speak through everything, God, and I pray that people won't see me, but they would see you. God, I pray that every heart will be softened, every ear will be open, God, ready to receive for what you have today. I love you, God. We love you, and we thank you in advance for what you want to do in this place. In Jesus' name, Amen. This morning, if I was to give this message a title, I would call it Process to the Promise. Can you all say this after me? Say, my life is a process. It's not my process, but God's process. Looking back over my life and even the stories in the Bible, I see they have one thing in common, and that's a process. The definition of a process is a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. In the world we live today, process is all around us. Just think about it. If we want to reheat our food, we put it in the microwave, press how long we want it, push the button, and bam, we've got our hot food. And thank God, if we want our clean clothes, we put it in the washing machine, then we put it in the dryer. I just wish that we had a machine to fold the clothes for us and put it away for us. Come on, now. Same thing with the dishwasher, okay? (laughs) We're so used to pressing buttons and things working how we want them and how we need them to work. Or we're used to pulling up to the drive-through and placing our order and having our food right within minutes. These things are not only a step-by-step process, but they're also a great convenience in our everyday lives. And I'm so thankful for these conveniences. But we have to remember, that God does not operate based on our conveniences. He's not an as-you-wish God or a have-it-your-way-right-away God. He's a God of order, alignment, and timing. He's a God that has a process for each and every one of you, and his process is so unique to your life. We've all heard the stories in the Bible where people built altars or memorials so they would never forget what God did for them or how he delivered them or saved them, right? Right? Well, in 2012, God did a work in me so great that he would make sure I would never forget it. Most of the times we're asking God to do a work through us, but how often are we asking him to do a work in us first? When I had the realization that God really does have a promise for my life, and every day I'm walking in his promise, his process to that promise, things started changing for me. My relationship with the Lord, my thoughts, my prayers, my habits, my ways, Everything began to change. And when things started changing inside of me, my outlook on things began to change as well. Even the stories that I had read since I was a little girl in the Bible, they began to came, they, they came to life to me like never before. I went, I went back and I reread the stories of the struggle, the hardship, the crazy journeys, the tests, the trials. And then seeing the end result of that, and it made sense. They were all a process to the promise God had planned out a long time ago. They were a process of trusting God, even when it didn't make sense and a process of putting hope and confidence in the Lord. And it was a process of faith, believing God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. Now, I'm not here to say that everything has been so easy since 2012, since God gave me this huge revelation. And if anybody told you that living in God's will is easy, they just lied to you because it's not (laughs) because there will be seasons where it's going to hurt or where you're going to feel broken or confused, and you're never going to know why. But if we choose to walk the journey of not my will, but yours be done, not my way, but your way, not my process, but God's process, promise will come. It's not going to come how you thought or when you wanted it or how you wanted it. And you're probably going to go through times of questioning if it's ever going to happen. Or you're going to question if God is even hearing you or if he's forgotten you or if he's just flat out skipped over you. There will be seasons of disappointment after disappointment, but I want to encourage you this morning to hold on because he is not done. And at the moment you think you're at your end is when God comes in and begins again inside of you. It's not our process, but his process, church. And it's not our promise, but his promise. He is the ultimate promise. This morning, my prayer is that faith would rise inside of you again. I pray that hope would come alive inside of you again and that a mind shift and a heart shift would take place and a spirit shift would take place inside of you and that that the reality of God's process for your life would come alive inside of you like it's never been before. So again, repeat this after me. My life is a process. It's not my process, but it's God's process. The first main point I want to talk about this morning is our perspective of the promise. Our perspective of the promise. You see, my natural personality is a planner. I like to plan things A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way to Z. And if A doesn't work, I got it. I got B, I got C, I got D. I'm like, boom, I got it. So if anything happens, boom, I got it. Anybody can relate to me? We got some planners out there? All right. Hey. Well, the problem is, is that I got so good at planning things out that I had planned God right out of everything I was doing. I had gotten to the point where I was like, I got this, God. This is what I'm doing, and you're just going to have to be okay with it. I was living my life as as if I didn't need God because I had my plans, and this was how it was going to be. I was all about having things my way when and how I wanted it. And I was going to make sure it was going to work out that way. And I decided in my heart that nothing was going to stop me. Obviously, I had forgotten that Proverbs 19.21 says, You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. And what I love about God is that he is a way of getting our attention and bringing us back to him. Sometimes it's the nice, gentle whisper and the reminders, you know, the ones that we all wish we had. But unfortunately, for the stubborn, strong-willed, passionate, independent, all the women independent, do we have any of those? (laughs) Like myself. (laughs) It wasn't the gentle nudge or the whisper because that didn't work. God knew he needed to come in and close every single door that I thought I possibly could open myself, leaving me in shock and in disbelief of what was happening. I couldn't believe that every plan or idea that I had was shut down. It was closed. It stopped. It was failed. It was like, do not enter. And I didn't know what I was going to do. For so long, I had a good system. And I knew I wanted to do. And I knew what I wanted to do. And God was just supposed to be okay with it. When all of this was happening, you can imagine I was mad. I was angry at God for messing with my plans. I mean, how could he do that to me? Did he know I was trying to help him out? I had it all I had it all together. But I didn't realize I had become this way until he shut it all down. I was blind and my heart was hardened. But God, in his merciful, loving way, knew exactly what he needed to do in order to first get my attention, so then he could correct it. Romans 12, 2, in the voice translation says, Do not allow this world to mold you in its own image. Instead, be transformed from the inside out by renewing your mind. As a result, you will be able to discern what God's will And whatever God finds good, pleasing, and complete. We've read the scripture probably over a thousand times, but how many times have we really allowed the Lord to come in and transform us from the inside out? You see, I let the necessity of having to plan everything out dictate my life and run my life that I planned God right out of it, and I didn't even know it. But God loved me enough to say, no more cat, you can't do that anymore. And what I really needed was a reprogramming of my stinking thinking. And the only programmer who could do that was the one who created me in the first place. A true transformation and renewing needed to happen, and I was willing to allow the Lord to do whatever he needed to do with me so it could happen. Now again, it wasn't the gentle and all pretty. It was definitely messy with a lot of tears and emotions. But it was exactly what I needed in order for God to bring me back to him. And what I love about God is that he doesn't force us to do anything. He always gives us a choice. And here I was with the choice. Do I stay mad at God forever and walk away from everything I said I believed in? Or do I release my control, humble myself, repent, and surrender to the Lord once again? Matthew 16, 24 in the New Living says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower... You must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Learning to give up our own way is what Jesus has asked us to do. Eventually, God told me, "Cat, you can plan what you're going to wear. You can plan what you're going to eat for dinner. You can plan family vacations. You can plan what you're going to buy for Christmas. You can plan all of those things. But what you cannot plan and manipulate is my will for your life. So take your hands off. He said release your control he said give up your way and all i could say was yes sir yes sir so here i was having to learn not to walk like this anymore but to now learning to walk like this i remember waking up every day telling myself out loud i'm taking my hands off i'm releasing my control and i'm going to start trusting you lord like never before And then the next day, I woke up telling myself, I'm taking my hands off. I'm releasing my control. I'm going to start trusting you, Lord, like never before. Day after day, this continued. And little by little, reprogramming, renewing, transformation began to happen from the inside out of me. Many times, I even had to break it down second by second, telling myself over and over, my hands are off. I'm trusting you, Lord. My hands are off. I'm trusting you, Lord. And then it got to where I could say it minute by minute and then hour by hour. Over and over, I had to make the decision that I wanted him to write the story of my life, not me. And even now, still to this day, my hands are off. I'm releasing my control, and I'm trusting you, Lord, with everything inside of me. I've had to learn to do this through times I didn't even like what was happening. And when I felt, all I felt was pain and brokenness and disappointment. I had to keep saying it, my hands are off, I'm releasing my control, I'm choosing to trust you even though this is painful, and I don't understand, I don't like this, my hands are off, God, and I'm trusting you. Or even the times that I didn't understand what he was doing, or why things were happening the way they were happening. My hands were up, I kept saying, I know that you are my Alpha and Omega, the God who sees my beginning to the end, so I trust you. My hands are off, God, so I'm following you. It's not my will, but yours be done, Jesus." And it wasn't just on Sundays when we come to church. It was Monday. It was Tuesday. It was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It was at work. It was at home. It was at the grocery store. Okay, God, my eyes are on you. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. Every day I release my control and believe you are writing the story for my life. Our perspective of the promise begins with knowing who the promise maker and giver is and knowing that no matter what, he is the promise. We can get so consumed with the dream that we lose sight of the dream giver. You see, not only does he give the dream and promise, but he already has the roadmap laid out on how he wants you to achieve that dream and that promise. The question is, are you willing to take your hands off and trust him completely with your process to your promise? Are you willing to daily walk the walk of not my will but yours be done and let him really take the wheel as Carrie Underwood sings? numbers chapter 23 19 says god is not a man so he does not lie he is not human so he does not change his mind has he ever spoken and failed to act has he ever promised and not carried it through the answer is no god is not an indian giver where he gives going to give a promise and then take it back promise will always be fulfilled when we do it his way and according to his will And if we want to know his will and his promises for our lives, then we must know his presence. Because his presence is where promises are born. Know his presence so you can know his promise. And when you know his promises, don't try to plan on how you're going to try to make it happen. And don't try to figure out how God is going to fulfill that promise. He's God and we're not. And the moment we stop trying to figure out his next move and just wait for him to open the door that he wants to open or just wait for him to tell us what he's going to do, then the better off we'll be. You want to know why we get frustrated in our walks with the Lord or why we get so disappointed in our journeys with him? It's because just when we think we've got God all figured out, he goes and does something completely different than what we expected, wanted, thought, or imagined. Or sometimes we think he moves too slow in answering us, so then we want to take matters into our own hand, and we end up making a mess of something that wasn't supposed to be. God never asked us to figure him out. He simply asked us to trust him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we all know it. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. All your ways. And he will make your path straight. There's a quote my pastor says, and he, it goes like this. He said, the moment I stopped trying and started trusting, things begin to happen. The moment I stopped trying and started trusting, things begin to happen. And when we completely stop trying to figure out what God is going to do and take our hands off the situation and surrender and trust him, he's going to work. He's always at work. No matter how long things take, we can be confident that his way will always be better than our ways. We just have to be willing to wait on his timing. In our process to the promise, we have to learn to take our hands off the situation so that we don't birth an Ishmael by manipulating the situation. You remember the story of Sarah? She desperately wanted to have a child, so she set up things for her servant Hagar to sleep with her husband Abraham. She took matters into her own hands and Ishmael was born. Sarah thought she had a good idea. She thought she could manipulate the situation to have a son. She thought she could help God out with come up with her own plan, but Ishmael wasn't the promised son as we all know that. Isaac was. How many times have we manipulated situations or put hands on things and tried to make things happen for our own good? We try to twist and turn things to work in our favor and then we say, "It's God." God's not looking for what I did or what I can do or for me, 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 me. He wants us to stand back and say, only God, look what he did to God be the glory. Ultimately, he wants us to not show ourselves off, but he wants us to show him off. Can you play that track, please?
2: You've called me to love and called me
1: to give And take up my cross just like you did Selfless and pure, a heart that is yours
2: Take everything my life I bring Can I show you up so the world sees Who you are to me want to show you up And this love beats undeniably To show you off means giving all of me Let my life show you off These words show you off Send me apart and call me your own living this life i know to whom i belong i cannot deny all that's inside his love is so real too much too high can i show you up so the world sees who you are to me oh i want to show you up and this love Choga what means giving
1: you are to me wants to show you off and this love
2: beat i'm done, not to believe to show you off means giving all of me
1: this is my prayer and my life shows him off that every word i say
2: shows him off Show you off. These words show you off.
1: Point number two in our process to the promise is becoming preparers of the promise. John Maxwell said that God prepares leaders in a slow cooker and not a microwave oven, and that what's more important than the awaited goal or the awaited promise is the work God does in us while we wait. You see, between seed time and harvest time is the waiting period. And it's what we do in and through the waiting time that will bring us closer to the Lord or further away from him. We have to get out of the mindset that waiting on the Lord equals sitting back and doing nothing. Our waiting time should equal serving time, prep time, until he says it's time for the promise to happen. Hebrews 11.1 one says, faith is the confidence that we hope for will actually happen. It gives us the assurance about things we cannot see. It's a journey of faith. We may not see or how when our promise is going to happen, but that's all part of this journey of faith that we are in. I love the story of David and how he played the harp and he sang his songs in the field while tending to the sheep. David had no clue that all his singing and playing his harp in the field was actually preparing him for something bigger than himself. The story goes on that God sent a tormenting spirit to torment King Saul and that the only thing that would, that would bring comfort to King Saul was singing. And can you guess who was called to be the one to sing and bring him peace? It's David. You see, Galatians six nine says, Don't get tired of doing what is good. Because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. David didn't get tired of serving his dad and tending to the flocks. He didn't get tired of practicing and developing his craft. And because of that, God saw he was ready and had the right time to take him to the next level. David had no idea that all his practicing in the field was actually preparing him for the palace. He wasn't out trying to figure out what God was going to do or planning out how he could get out of tending the sheep. He was so content where he was and in what he was doing. So my question for you, church, is what are you doing with the things that you've been given now as you prepare and wait for your promise? Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14, it talks about the parable of the three servants. And it says, bear with me, and read it. If you want to turn there real quick. Matthew 14, Matthew 25 and 14, it says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with the two bags also went and worked and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their, their master returned from their trip and he called them to give an account of what they'd done with their money. The servant to whom he trusted the five bags came forward and he said, I've got five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. The same thing happened with the, with the one who received two. Well done again. You've been faithful with the small. I will give you more. Then the servant That came with the one, master, I knew you were harsh. So I went and I hid it. And master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Then he ordered, take the money and give it to the one with a 10. Verse 29 says, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance is what it says. But for those who do nothing, even what little they have, it will be taken away. Verse 29 again says, To those who use well what they're given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. So, church, what are you doing with what's been given to you? Are you content with what he's he's given you or are you discontent because you don't have everything you want right here and right now? Learning to be content with what you have in the weight and stewarding those things well is what brings peace, joy, and an inward security that says, I trust you, Lord. I know that God has more in store for me. I have no clue what he's going to do or how he's going to do those things. But as I'm waiting for him to work all those things out, and what I'm doing as I'm waiting, I'm serving. I'm trusting. I'm, I'm stewarding the things that he's given me now well. I'm not trying to figure out the next move. I'm just being here waiting on him patiently. I'm no longer looking at what other people have and wishing I had those things. I'm not sitting over here being jealous or envious of anybody else, thinking, oh, they're advancing or, you know, God's forgotten about me. I've had to learn to stop comparing my life because all comparison does is steal your joy and keep you from seeing the fullness of God's promise fulfilled in your life. Remember, God, remember, church, God has a unique, tailored roadmap for each and every one of you. So you cannot compare your journey to someone else's journey. Instead, we should be supporters, cheerleaders, and encouragers and celebrators of one another. And as you wait to see God's promise fulfilled, I want to encourage you to be content, serve, and steward what he's given you now so then later he can give you more. The last point I want to share with you this morning in our process to the promise is to be a protector of your promise. Because for every promise and promised land, there will be giants standing in your way to keep you from seeing and achieving that promise. And those giants usually show their face, not when we're on the mountaintops, oh no. They usually show up in the valley when we feel the most broken, the most weakest, the most unsure, and the most lonely. But in order to stay the course in this journey of faith and the journey that God's given us, we are going to have to face the giants, and in Jesus' name, we have to watch them fall. We can no longer tolerate the giants of fear, the giants of insecurity, the giants of sin, the giants of jealousy, the giants of anger, the giants of bitterness, the giants of disappointment in our life. We can no longer allow them to rule over us and win. We have to be ready to face them and become giant killers. John 10.10 says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if we're not careful, that's what he's going to do with our promise. And 1 Peter 5.8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy... The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The enemy is going to try his hardest to stop you and get you off track from the path and the plan that God has for you. So if you want to see God's promise fulfilled in your lives, you have to be a protector and a fighter for that promise. The good thing is, is that we already know we have the victory in Jesus' name. Amen? He gives us what we need to do in Ephesians 6.11. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, you stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted ready that comes with a gospel of peace. In addition to all this, you take up your shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Stand firm is what the word tells us to do. Take up your shield is what it says. God's given us everything we need to defeat every giant, every demon, and every attack that will come your way. If we want to see God's promises in our lives, we have to be a protector and a fighter for that promise. We must be a giant killer. Psalms 27, 13, and 14 says, To remain confident that you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart. My family and I are personally in a season where we are facing some pretty big giants. The moment I released this album and started walking out God's way and not my way is when the greatest attacks started coming on me physically in my marriage in my job and in my family. The last two years, the devil has really tried to steal my promise with new tactics that I didn't even see coming. But I'm so thankful, as we sing it today, God is my defender, and he will never let me down. I'm not afraid. I'm not doubtful. I'm not fearful. Because I know my God is greater, my God is stronger, and he's higher than any other. I've made the decision to be a protector of the promise inside of me. And that no giant, no lie, no scheme of the enemy will, take, will keep me from seeing that promise fulfilled in Jesus' name. As we come to a close this morning, I'm going to ask Clay to come and play. But I want to remind you that it's not our promise, but his promise. It's not our way, but his way. It's not our process, but his process. Let him write the story of your life. Give him the pen. Give him the control. Don't be afraid to trust him with all of your heart, all of your soul, with everything that you have. Remember, he is the alpha and omega. He already sees and knows the end result. So let him lead and guide you. Take your hands off as you walk out his process. Right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you might be sitting here this morning thinking, "Cat." I've been trying to do things on my own. I've been taking matters into my own hands and not letting God lead me. Or you might be thinking, I've been so discontent with where I'm at. I don't feel the peace of God over my life anymore and I need it. Or you might be saying, Kat, I've let the giants in my life dominate my life and I realize that today and I don't want that to happen anymore. I need to put on his armor so that I can be a giant killer that God has intended me to be. If the Holy Spirit is revealing any of these areas to you, then I want to ask you to stand at your feet this morning. God wants to remind you that he's got everything under control. He just wants you to trust him completely. God wants to remind you to be faithful with what he's given you. And in His time, he will give you more. He will open the door. And he wants to remind you that he is our defender. No, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And there is no giant, no demon, no attack from the enemy that can take you down. Because greater is he that lives inside of us than he that lives inside of the world. Father, I pray right now for everyone who is standing. You see each and every one of them and you know them by name. God, I thank you that you love us. And that you've called us, God, to walk this journey of faith, this journey of trusting you, this journey of believing you. And God, I know it can be hard. And God, but God, you just said simply said to trust. And when we trust, that means we have to let go of our control. When we trust, we have to release, God, our intention, our motives, God. And we have to hold on to yours. So God, I pray for those, God, who might have been trying to take matters into their own hand this morning. I pray that they would realize that you are the ultimate tour guide. You are the ultimate guide, God. And we just need to follow you. And I pray, God, that they would release any control, God. And I pray that they would, you would give them the courage to trust you. Give them the courage to believe in you again, Father. Give them the courage, God, to know that you are there. That you've got a plan and a purpose and a destiny for their lives. God, I pray for those who might have not been stewarding well the things that you've been giving them now. Lord, I pray, God, that you would uh, remind them to be faithful with what you've given them. I pray that they won't try to look to see when the next thing is coming or what somebody else is doing, God, but they will look to the things that you've given them now. And I pray, God, that they would steward well those things. And I pray, Lord God, that the peace that passes all understanding, God, would hover over their lives. And I pray, Lord God, where they have been discontent, God, I pray that your joy would come again. God, that your life would come again. Father, that your peace would spring up a well inside of them again this morning. And God, I pray for those who have who have been afraid to look the giant in the face and say, you will bow down. And God, I pray for a boldness to rise up inside of them this morning. I pray for giant killers to rise up this morning. I thank you that no weapon formed against them will prosper in the name of Jesus. And that greater is he that is inside of us than he that is in the world. I pray that we will walk out of here, giant killers. God, that we will walk out of here knowing that you are the God who sees our beginning to end. And we will trust you in every step of the process, in every way of the process. God, we won't doubt you, but we will trust you. We won't rush you, God, but we will trust you. You are the way, the truth, and the life through everything, God. And I thank you. Thank you that you will never leave us or forsake us.
2: Worthy of every song we could ever see. Just the name above every other. Toda mi existencia es para ti, vivo por ti, vivo por ti. Cristo como tu nombre no hay igual, Cristo el único que puede salir. Vivo por ti, vivo por ti.